Somebody go ahead and rejoice tonight. Somebody ought to remember what God's done for you. Somebody ought to remember the testimony that God's given you tonight uh, and just begin to get happy all over again. Somebody ought to praise him because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah. I just need some people with a testimony tonight uh, to lift up your voice uh, and declare the Lord is good uh, and his mercy endureth uh, forever. Woo! Clap your hands, all your people. And while you're clapping your hands, somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Woo! Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was happy before I ever got here tonight because I came with expectation in my spirit about what God was going to do when I got here. So I entered into his gates uh, with thanksgiving. Uh, I didn't come here to get my thanksgiving. Uh, I brought it with me. Uh, and I entered his courts uh, with my praise. Uh, I don't need your praise. Uh, I don't need his praise. Uh, I, I brought my praise. Uh, when you bring your own praise, you don't need the band to play you happy. You don't need the praise team to sing you happy. You don't even need the preacher to preach you happy. When I walked in the door, somebody shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. Y'all act like you came to have church tonight. Yay! My God, I'm excited. It's good to be home tonight. It's good to be home. I missed y'all this weekend. I missed you all this weekend. Y'all had me messed up. I was preaching an anniversary service this weekend, and their service started an hour later than ours. So I turned on the live stream Sunday morning and I, I made a mistake and I tuned into our service. Dear God, I was trying to get ready for church and I was shouting one minute and crying the next and, and next thing I know, I was supposed to get out there and preach. And then Sunday night, my God, the Holy Ghost moved in such a powerful way. How many of you thank God for the Carson family being with us this weekend? My God, I, I, I wasn't here, but I could feel, I could literally feel the power and the anointing of what God was doing in this sanctuary as I was tuned in watching what the Lord was saying. Hey, sit down, y'all, y'all. Y'all ready to run the aisles? Y'all just say, say one more thing, Pastor. I'm ready to go. Y'all are like a racehorse ready to get out of the gate tonight. And, uh, but it's good to be home, and uh, I just, I love the people of God, and I love the Rock Church. Y'all are my family. Y'all are my family. And uh, it's good to be home. So grateful for what the Lord did this weekend. I want to say a great big welcome tonight to all of our guests that are with us on Tuesday night. Come on, that's it. Would you help me one more time make some noise for all of our guests that are here? So grateful to have you in the house of the Lord with us tonight. We're excited about what God is doing. And uh, this is going to be another incredible week living for God. My toughest days living for God are still better than my best days out in the world. My best day in the world doesn't compare uh, to the most challenging day I've had in living for God. Amen. 
And uh, so I, I want to hasten to the word of the Lord tonight as you stand with me. I, uh, I'm excited this week. The choir is going to be leaving tonight on a tour bus to Little Rock, Arkansas. How many of you will pray for God's hand of protection upon us as we travel over the, over, overnight and into the next day? Pray that God would dispatch angels to go before us and to surround us, that we would uh, travel safely without any uh, occasion for harm or delay. And most importantly, how many of you will believe God to anoint us powerfully as we attempt to uh, minister? And I want God to show up in such a powerful way. I don't want them to leave saying, what a choir. I want them to leave saying, what a God. What a God. Amen. And so pray for us as we leave this evening. Now listen, I, I was not supposed to preach tonight. I had somebody that was, was going to, to, to preach tonight. And um, sometimes things just don't work out. And the challenge comes when they don't work out right before church. Heller, how your mama darn? And so I was on my way, some of you young preachers, I was on my way. If you don't think this happens to me, I was on my way to church, and I had a meeting scheduled right before uh, that I knew would take me right up to pre-service prayer. And I got a phone call that said, said won't be able to do that tonight. And so I showed up at the church and had our meeting and finished, and it was after 7 o'clock. I said, all right, Lord, church starts in about 20 minutes. And so I said, well, Lord, I could just let him go home, give him the gift of time. Oh, yeah, I see some of y'all saying, no, Pastor, no, Pat, you, some of y'all going to hell on a scholarship for lying. You got a smile on the inside, but on the outside, you know, Pastor, no. But I felt the Lord kind of nudged me a little bit about a, about a scripture. So is it all right if I just, I'm just going to let you all just kind of join in. We're just going to do a little devotion together. Is that all right? For a few moments. Is that all right? Media, I'm sorry I don't have slides. I don't have nothing. Y'all are just going to have to roll with me. And I'll, I'll, I'll get, we'll get something later that you can use on our YouTube channel and all of that good stuff. But let's go to the book of Psalms tonight, chapter 136, and verse number 10. I'm sorry, verse number 1. Psalms chapter 136, page 799. If you've got the same Bible I have. Then we're going to go to the book of Luke, <clears throat> chapter 17 after that. Book of Psalms. Chapter 136. I'm only going to read one verse of scripture. Uh, verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever turn and tell your neighbor oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever Y'all got that? Y'all got that? Put your finger there. And let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Verse number 11. Says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men 
that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And I'm just going to, you know, 20 minutes of preparing tonight. I just feel like preaching for a few minutes. I've got a reason to praise him. I've got a reason to praise him. I just need a few people with that testimony tonight to, to take about 30 seconds right here and put your hands together and give God your best Tuesday night praise. Somebody shout, I've got a reason to praise him. You can be seated for a few moments tonight. The word of the Lord comes to us. The voice of Jesus speaking. And in one place, Jesus says that without me, ye can do nothing. Jesus is emphatic concerning the revelation of human insufficiency. The idea that without God, we're worthless. That without God, we're useless. In one place, the Bible says that he knoweth our frame and that we are just dust. Without God blowing into our life, we are just a bunch of dirt bags. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you're a dirt bag. You got one chance tonight to say what you've been wanting to say. Turn around, tell your neighbor, you're just a dirt bag. Without Jesus, you're just, uh, you're just dust. Uh, without Jesus, uh, you're a mess. Without Jesus, uh, you can't do nothing. Uh, without God, uh, your life is meaningless. Uh, without God, uh, you have no... V- and somehow we find the antithesis of this revelation preeminent in the mind of humanity. When we get to the book of Revelation chapter 3 and the Bible speaks to us as God addresses the church of Laodicea and he says, you are rich and increased with goods and you say that you have need of nothing. I said that without me, ye can do nothing. 
But if we're not careful, we can reach a place in our life when God has blessed us and God has opened doors for us and God has delivered us. If we're not careful, we can come to a place where we get amnesia concerning our prior condition and we can forget about the pit that God brought us out of. And we can forget uh, about the situations uh, that God moved in our uh, behalf. And we uh, can forget uh, about the heartaches uh, and the headaches uh, and the despair uh, when all of a sudden uh, we now got a good job uh, and we're driving a reliable car uh, and I'm not high when I wake up in the morning uh, and hungover uh, and I'm not living every day full uh, of regrets. Uh, if you're not careful. You can come to a place where you look around and say, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've been able to do and get an idea that somehow we are a self-made man. That somehow I'm worthy of all of the things that I have done. But I came to remind somebody tonight that without God we can do nothing. That before God found me, uh, I was hopeless. Uh, before God found me, uh, I was powerless. Uh, before God found me, uh, I was sick in my mind. Uh, before God found me, uh, I had questions uh, with no answers. Uh, but one day... One day uh, there was a God in heaven uh, that sits high uh, and he looks low uh, and he reached down to where I was uh, and he picked me up uh, and he turned me around uh, and he placed my feet uh, on solid ground. Uh, Oh, I just need somebody uh, in the building that has uh, a good memory uh, that without God, uh, I'm nothing. Uh, without God, uh, my life would fall apart. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, the writer of the psalm in chapter 51 said, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. Lord, if you take your spirit from me, I, I'll die that very moment. Lord, if you remove your presence from me, life is not worth living. The book of uh, Colossians tells us in chapter 1 and verse number 17 that by him do all things consist. It is only by God that we're even able uh, to stand on our own two feet. Uh, it's only by God that your chair uh, doesn't d disintegrate uh, molecularly. Uh, it's only by God uh, that the atomic structure uh, of the atmosphere uh, in which you and I breathe regulates uh, a certain level of oxygen uh, that allows life to ebb and to flow. Uh, it's only by God uh, that all things exist in him. We live and we move and we have our being. As we began to look at the scripture, Psalm 136, we do not know specifically by whom this psalm was penned or written, but we do know that it was sung in Solomon's temple. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, you can read that this became a standard chorus in the temple. It was also sang by the armies of Jehoshaphat when they sang themselves into victory in the wilderness of Tekoa. And from the striking refrains and the composition of this powerful text, uh, we should infer that it was probably a very popular hymn among God's people. Most hymns with a solid and simple chorus become favorites with congregations. Easy to speak. Repetitive phrases that mean something. I know it was the blood. 
I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood for me. Or if you're in worship, you say, hallelujah. One word to the whole song. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Ain't there any more words to it? No, it's good all by itself. Hallelujah. Then we take it up a half step. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all get the point? Probably this was a very popular song in the congregation. And when you begin to dissect Psalms chapter 136, you will find, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, you will find that there, there seems to be divisions, uh, uh, seven to be exact in this chapter. And, and there is another common pattern in this in that every verse in the chapter uh, ends with the very same phrase. Uh, every, every verse ends the same way. Uh, and the chapter is committed uh, to telling us uh, how good uh, that God is is. The whole chapter is dedicated uh, to answering the question uh, of why uh, we give him uh, thanks. In the first division, you will find uh, uh, that it commences with a threefold praise uh, to the one true God. Verse number one, it says, Oh, give thanks uh, unto the Lord, uh, for he is good uh, and his mercy uh, endureth uh, forever. Verse number two, oh, give thanks uh, unto the God uh, of gods, uh, for his mercy uh, endureth uh, forever. Uh, you, if you're a oneness apostolic, uh, all you need is that second verse uh, to give God a praise. Uh, if you read it in your King James, uh, it's God's, uh, he is the God, capital G, uh, of God's, lower G. Uh, there's no God uh, like my God. Uh, there's no God that can even stand uh, in the same category uh, with a capital G. Uh, when you talk about my God, uh, you're talking about the God of gods, uh, the Lord of lords, uh, the King uh, of kings. Uh, that's why we praise him uh, because we know who he is. Uh, greater than Hare Krishna, uh, greater than Muhammad, uh, greater than Buddha. Uh, Buddha's still dead, uh, but I feel the God I serve uh, even in this place tonight. Hira uh, Krishna uh, is still taking a dirt nap, uh, but on the third day, uh, my God rose up uh, with all power uh, in him. You want to know why I praise him? Uh, he's the God uh, of gods. Uh, when you know him like I do, when you know who he is, uh, I've got to give him praise. Uh, verse 3 said, oh, give thanks uh, unto the Lord, capital O-L, uh, of Lord's lowercase, uh, for his mercy uh, endureth forever. Somebody ought to praise him tonight uh, because he's the God of gods uh, and he's the Lord of lords. The first part of the chapter is committed to the preeminence of who he is. I don't care what religion you came out of. I don't care what kind of God you used to see. You might have served the God of alcohol. You might have served the gods of drug addiction or sexual promiscuity. But when you knelt at an altar and God filled you with the Holy Ghost, there was a new king crowned in your life. He's preeminent. He is above all. He's bigger than everything. But my God's not just above all. He's through all and he's in you. The preeminence, it's committed to the preeminence of who God is. And then the next division gives us six verses that are committed to extolling him as the creator. 
Once you understand of, that he is God of gods, the next revelation you come to is that everything under the sun was created by him. Verse number four says, to him who alone doeth great wonders. Whoa. In the beginning, he was all by himself. He didn't have a committee. He didn't have a junior God. He didn't have a trinity. He didn't have a council of three. He said, I take counsel of myself. He alone. I said, he all by himself doeth great wonders for his mercy endureth forever. To him, verse 5, that hath by wisdom made the heavens. Man's best attempts fall short of the wisdom of God. By his wisdom, he made the heavens. I read uh, today where there was, I think it was happening today, that finally after decades of research and study, that they are for the very first time about to land a space apparatus on an asteroid that scientists say uh, has been orbiting the earth for, they claim, billions and billions and billions of years. I rather doubt that. But it's been a long time. It hasn't crashed. It's just orbited the earth over and over again. And after decades of research and the culmination of man's brightest minds, they finally have developed an ability to land an apparatus that is going to extract some five to ten ounces of surface material and try to bring it back to the earth so that we can unlock the mysteries of the creation of the world. Can I tell you all of man's life in a attempts uh, to try to get one little piece of dirt uh, to try to come up with an idea but my God stood uh, at the beginning from the ending uh, and by his wisdom he made all things by his wisdom he put the planets into orbit by his wisdom he made the come on somebody is this alright tonight I, I, I know I'm trying I just I didn't get much time to prepare I'm just great wonders and with his wisdom he made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever. Verse number 6 said to him that stretched out the earth above the waters. Oh, by his word he, he, he brings the planetary the balance of the earth's atmosphere just to the right place and the subthermal waters below the earth's surface of the oceans and the balance of the entire ecosystem system of the planet. Uh, it was by uh, his wisdom. Uh, when, when you just uh, think you've done something good because uh, you got your flowers looking good uh, in front of your yard and, uh, and you've been working and you, you finally got your grass looking, uh, looking pretty nice and you, uh, you want to sit back and go like this. Uh, you just remember uh, that everything you're looking at, uh, the vastness of the oceans uh, and the mountains uh, and the fields uh, and the flowers, uh, God God did it all by uh, himself. Uh, it was God with a stretched out hand. Verse number seven to him uh, that made uh, great lights for his mercy endureth forever. Verse number eight, the sun to rule by day for his mercy endureth forever. Now the problem here is that when we begin to uh, study the scriptures and we scientists will say that the reason we have light is because the sun. And the sun is what lights and photosynthesis. And I, and I get all that and I, I understand. But, but I have a little problem here because if you study the days of creation, the Bible says uh, that light came on the first day. The sun was not created or given charge over the earth uh, until the fourth day. 
Now, whether it be a literal four days uh, or if one day is as a thousand years to man, uh, all of the herbs uh, and all of the plants uh, would not be able to survive uh, the process of photosynthesis uh, and their growth uh, if there had not been a light to sustain them because they were there before the sun was there. Uh, my point is this, uh, that before he created uh, the light, uh, he was the light. Uh, John 1 said he was uh, that light. And that light was, I'm sorry, scientist, you don't have all the answers, but I don't care what happens to the sun. It is him. He said, I am the light of the world. He made the, the moon, verse 9, and the stars to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. Don't lose the context of the chapter. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Everything we read subsequent to the primary verse of the chapter is a supporting text for the primary idea that there is a reason why that we give God the praise. I don't praise him just to feel religious. I'm not praising him just because I want to fit in to an ecumenical society of people that wear ties to church and nice dresses. But I praise him because he's the God of all creation. I praise him because without him, there would be no me. Oh, I'm getting down to something here. You got to praise him sometimes just because he gave you uh, the gift of life. Uh, you didn't have to be in existence. Uh, the odds of you even being born uh, are astronomical uh, that it wouldn't take place. Uh, but out of all of the millions of opportunities uh, and combinations, uh, God had you in mind. Uh, and uh, Jeremiah 29 11, uh, he said, I know the plans uh, that I have for you. Uh, oh, give thanks uh, unto uh, the Lord. I got a reason to praise my God. And then there is this third division of the chapter, and there are six more verses in which the writer uses the canvas of Israel being delivered from Egypt to support why we praise our God. In other words, let me give you a little personal uh, testimony uh, that'll give you an insight uh, as to why I act uh, like I act. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about what my God uh, has done in my life. Uh, it'll explain why I'm standing up here at the altar uh, while the preacher's preaching uh, and why I run the aisles uh, when the preacher. Let me just tell you uh, a little bit about what happened. Uh, in verse number 10, it said, uh, to him uh, that smote Egypt uh, in their firstborn, uh, for his mercy uh, endureth forever. Uh, I was in bondage to Egypt, uh, and God came down uh, and smote the firstborn uh, of the entire uh, nation. Uh, verse 11, and brought out uh, Israel uh, from uh, among them. Uh, I was in bondage there. Uh, I was in slavery there, uh, but the God uh, that created Created the universe uh, reached down to where I was uh, and he brought me out uh, of Egypt. You want to know why? Uh, I give him thanks uh, because he brought me out. Uh, somebody in the building, uh, that's the only reason you need to give him praise uh, is he brought you out. Uh, you see them over there uh, in the club. Uh, I used to be in bondage, uh, but he brought uh, me. Uh, I just need a few people that ain't afraid uh, to testify uh, that I was in trouble uh, and he brought uh, me uh, out. That's why I praise my God. Uh, that's why I lift my hands. Uh, that's why I dance. Uh, that's why I run the house. Verse 12 said, and he did it with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. 
for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. My God, I could stand here and preach for a minute. Let me just say this, that there is a common argument amongst historians that may not quite be believers in the word of the Lord that say there was no way that the children of Israel have this mighty miracle because if you look geographically at the place where it is believed that they cross, that most of the time the water there is only ankle to knee deep. How could it be that a whole army, well, first of all, you weren't there. You don't have pictures or scientific proof. So quit postulating on the unknown. But second of all, let me give you a narrative that would contradict your theory that God did not perform the miracle. Perhaps the miracle we read is that the waters were parted and they were drowned. And in our mind, we get a sense of 18 and 30 foot waves. But can I tell you that if the water was only knee deep and God drowned a whole army in water that was only a knee deep, then it's still a miracle. God drowned them. And you came too late to tell me that my God can do the impossible. Why do I give him praise? Because he can make a way where there is no way. Moses, if the army's behind you and the Red Sea's in front of you, but stretch forth your hand and I'm going to bring you through. I just need a few people with a testimony that when you couldn't see your way out and you didn't know the answer and you didn't know how that God made a way. Why do I praise him? I've got a reason. To... I've got a reason. Verse 14, and, and he made Israel to pass through the midst of it for his mercy endureth forever. I can't preach all of this. And overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the red See for his mercy endureth forever. I may stop there long enough uh, to, to preach to you. If you study the types and shadows of the Old Testament, you understand that going through the Red Sea is a type of water baptism. When they came out of the Red Sea and went on the other side, the Bible said they passed through the cloud of fire, which was representative of the Spirit and the presence of God. You see a perfect picture of water and Spirit baptism. He tells John in chapter 3, verse number 5, that except a man be born again of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so if you're going to come out of Egypt and go to the promised land, you cannot do it without going through the water and through the cloud. You want to know why I praise him? Because he brought me through the water and he brought me through the cloud. I praise him because I've been baptized in Jesus' name and I've been filled with the Holy Ghost and all of my sins were defeated in the Red Any questions? Good. And so then you get down, and there's a fourth segment. I told you I was just sharing with you a little, little Bible study. There's a fourth section of the chapter, and in this section, there are seven verses that calculate, they, they give us the narrative and they record Israel's journey through the wilderness and their entrance into Canaan's land. This is a reflection of why we give God praise. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Uh, you ever heard the little saying, uh, you know, he loves me, he loves me not. Do you love me? I love you. Let me count the ways. That's what the writer's doing here. He said, you want to know why I praise him? Let me count the ways. And he goes on to say in verse number 16, to him which led his people through the wilderness. Can I stop here and get a few amens from anybody that knows what it's like for God to lead you through a wilderness? Have you ever been through a dry place? Have you ever been through a place where you didn't have answers and you were confused? 
and you didn't know if you were going to make it. But when you look back over your life, you realize that God was leading you the whole time. And when you thought you were lost, God knew exactly where you were. And when it didn't seem like you knew where you were going, God was bringing you to that place. He led us through the wilderness. That's why I give him praise because he knows the way that I take. That's why I give him praise because the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. That's why I give him praise. Verse 12, to him which smote great kings, there was opposition standing in my way when I tried to become what God wanted me to become. But one of the reasons I praise him is because he smote great kings. God defeated some of the princes of the enemy that I was facing. In 18, verse 18, he said, and slew famous kings for his mercy endureth forever. I wasn't just fighting chumps. I wasn't just fighting some little no-name kings, but I was up against famous kings. I was against skilled kings. I was against kings with big empires and lots of armies and lots of resources. But when I came against those kings, it was my God uh, that smote those kings. Verse number 19, he goes on to name a few of the kings. He said, Sihon, king of the Amorites. If you look up the word Sihon, Sihon comes from the word Sikon, which means tempestuous or to wipe away by sweeping. This king's name was representative of an enemy force that would just sweep you away, that would come unexpectedly like a hurricane and take care of you. But when that enemy came to sweep me away, my God defeated that army and that evil force. I wonder if there's anybody that's ever watched God just destroy an enemy that thought it was going to take you out and destroy an enemy that thought it was going to sweep you off your feet and destroy an enemy. I came to preach to somebody. You're up against the king right now and you're standing there wondering, I don't know if I can hold on any longer. The winds are blowing. The enemy's trying to blow me away. But I came to tell you, we serve a God that will defeat the king of Sehon. My God, that's why I give him praise. And then he said, Ooh, he was the king of the Amorites. You know, if you look up the Amorites, the name for the Amorites, the conclusion you come to is that the definition of the name means to speak against in a public manner. The Amorites, the name indicates public slander. Sometimes the enemy comes against you in a voice of slander. But he said, you want to know why I praise him? Because when the slander came, God defeated the slander. He defeated the king of the Amorites. I didn't have to work against it. I didn't have to fool with it. My God is bigger than the king of the Amorites. Verse one, number 20, 20 he said, uh, and uh, the king Og. Uh, when you study Og in Amos chapter 2, uh, verse number 9, which most theologians believe is referring uh, to a description of king Og, uh, it begins to describe his height. Uh, and it said that his height uh, was like the height of the cedars uh, and whose strength uh, was like that of oaks. Uh, he was such a large uh, giant of a king. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter Chapter 3 and verse 11 declares uh, that his bedstead uh, was about uh, 9 cubits in length and 4 cubits in width. Uh, that's over 13 feet long uh, and over 6 feet wide. That's, that's the bed the little critter slept in every night. 
But the Bible said uh, that when I faced that king, uh, my God stepped in, uh, and he's the king of kings. Uh, and when Og faced my God, uh, Og couldn't stand. Uh, can I just preach to somebody? Uh, God can defeat the greatest uh, thing facing you. Uh, I don't care how big it is. Uh, I don't care how outnumbered uh, you are, uh, under-resourced. Uh, I don't care if you feel like uh, there's no way to do it. Uh, one of the reasons I praise God uh, is he defeated uh, the famous kings. the king of Bashan, and his mercy endureth forever. Verse 21, uh, and he gave their land for inheritance. Woo it's one thing when the Lord defeats your enemy, but then God went and got all the enemy's stuff and said, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. I just need a few radical people on a Tuesday night uh, that understand uh, what kind of a God that you... If you only understood uh, some of the treasures uh, that are laid up for you uh, in the dominion and the realm of your enemy, uh, when God brings you out uh, and God brings you through, uh, there's going to be some treasure. Uh, there's going to be a payoff attached. Uh, God's going to hand you the very thing uh, that belonged to your enemy. Uh, God's going to hand you the very, I just need a believer in the building. Uh, that's why you got to look at your giant uh, and tell him you're driving in my car. I just want you to know you're living in my house. I want you to know you're on my land. It belongs when God finishes with you. You'll be defeated. Why do I give him thanks? And then, I'm trying to hurry. Moves down into the fifth division of the chapter. And in the fifth division, we have two Happy verses of personal gratitude for God's present mercy. You want to know why I give him thanks? <clears throat> Verse 23 said, who remembered us in our lowest state. See, some of y'all already forgot what the lowest state was like. When I was at rock bottom, when I was totally out and discouraged, when I was at the very bottom of life, God didn't forget about me. He saw where I was. He didn't forget about me, but he remembered me in my low state. Anybody can hang with you when everything's going well, but when all my friends left my side and my family rejected me and the people I thought were closest to me, when I looked around and they were gone, uh, the Lord was still with me, uh, and he remembered me uh, in my lowest state. Uh, you want to know why uh, I give him thanks? Uh, you want to know why my hands are in the air? Uh, you want to know why I've got tears uh, rolling down my face? Uh, because he remembered me uh, in my low uh, estate. Verse 24, he said, in half redeemed us from our enemies. Satan had me captive. To redeem something means that you go and you pay the price to get it from wherever it's at. And when I wasn't worth saving, my God gave his very life to redeem me. See, we got so fancy preaching uh, that we forget about the cross. Uh, we, we were removed from the simplicity uh, of the gospel message uh, that when I didn't deserve it, uh, when I spit on him uh, and I cussed him out uh, and I failed him and I turned my back on my God, uh, my God still paid the price. Uh, somewhere he said, uh, you're worth it. Uh, I can see something in you. Uh, I'm going to pay. When I was rejected, uh, when I 
I was in the bin of unused goods, when I was in the trash can and thrown away by society, my God picked me up and read. Do you want to know why I give him thanks? You want to know why I don't need a preacher to get me happy or a praise team to sing me happy? Because I remember that he redeemed me when I didn't have anything else. Then in the sixth section, there's one verse that tells us of the Lord's universal providence. In verse number 25, it says, Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. He's a God that can supply all our needs. He doesn't... See, see, if Brother Matthew comes on Monday and say, hey, uh, uh, man, I, I'm in between blessings. See, that's the language of faith. I'm not broke ever. I'm in between blessings. And, uh, man, I need some groceries. Can you help me out? I could probably help Brother Matthew out. Give him a little something. But then at 12 o'clock... Well, the ham comes. Hey, I, uh, I'm in between blessings, and uh, they, they shut my electricity off. Can you? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be able to help brother ham. Then Tuesday morning, brother Nick comes. I'm in between blessing, and then brother Daniel comes. At some point, I'm gonna say silver and gold have I none, <laughs> but such as I have, give I thee. Good luck. And that's what makes us get envious with God sometimes, is we view God through the same lens that we view our limited ability to help people. And so when we see God bless somebody, and we see God provide for somebody, we get unbelief in our heart as though somehow they got what I wanted uh, and there's not enough for everybody. Uh, so if they got it, no, 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 no. Uh, but when you get an understanding uh, of his uh, providence, uh, oh, you understand that God doesn't run out of supplies, uh, that God doesn't run out of resources. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if he did it for you, uh, he can do it for me. Uh, and that's why I rejoice uh, with them that rejoice. Rejoice. Uh, you want to know why I praise God? Uh, because he can supply all uh, my needs uh, according to his riches. Uh, and I just need somebody right now uh, that God's ever provided for you uh, to give him a praise. Uh, I just need somebody uh, that's living in the overflow uh, to give God. If he, if he ain't ever blessed you, uh, just sit down. Uh, if he ain't ever provided, uh, just sit down. But if God ever made a way, if God ever blessed you, if God ever took care of you, you've got a reason to praise him. I said you've got a reason to run the aisles. You've got a reason to dance on a Tuesday night. You've got a reason to shout up in here. God's not like your tortilla. The more you roll it out, the thinner it gets. When you roll God out, he gets bigger and bigger. And when you think you got to the end, he's bigger than that. I got a reason to praise him. And then, and then, the final section, section seven, gives us a closing verse. That is intended to excite us into unending praise. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy endureth forever. I've got a reason to give God the praise. Music come. Pastor, why are you preaching this? Let me take you to the rest of my text.
in Luke chapter 17, the Bible said that there were 10 lepers that came before our God. And they were afar off because the law prohibited them from even having access to him. The law prevented them from even being able to touch him. They couldn't do like the woman with the issue of blood and touch his garment. They couldn't do like some of the people that called out where he was and he came to them. These were lepers. And as lepers, their bodies had become disfigured and dismembered. There were probably body parts missing, flesh that was rotting. And from where they were... They begin to call on Jesus. And the Bible said that when he saw them, he cried out to them and said, Go show yourself unto the priest. You understand that leprosy in the Bible is a type of sin. Before you go wondering and feeling sorry about those lepers, you got to remember you're a leper too. The text is talking about 10 lepers. But in this building tonight, we're all lepers. We've all been affected by sin. We've all felt the effect. Come on, somebody. We all know what it's like for sin to ravage our life and to leave us dismembered and leave us broken and leave us hurt and leave us confused. But when they came to Jesus, they said, Lord, have mercy on us. And the Bible said uh, that he spoke to them uh, and he said, go show yourself uh, under the priest. Uh, and the Bible said uh, when they went to the priest, uh, they started walking uh, and all of a sudden uh, they looked down uh, and began to realize uh, that they had been healed. I wonder if there's anybody in the building. Uh, when you look at your life now, uh, you understand that God uh, has done something in my life. Uh, I'm not the same man uh, I used to be. Uh, I'm not, am I preaching to anybody? Uh, I'm not the same woman uh, I used to be. Uh, hey, oh, uh, looked down at their skin and saw that the leprosy was all gone. Woo! I'm healed. I'm healed. I can't believe it. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Anybody been touched by the Lord in this house? They received a miracle of healing. <laughs> but the Bible said that there was one of them lepers. Something shifted inside of him. And when he looked down and he saw the healing, he understood. Hold on a second. I've been healed. I've been to all the doctors, and they couldn't do nothing for me. I've been separated from my family, and now I get to go back. I've been separated from society, and now I get to go see my friends. I've been an outcast, but I'm healed. And something rose up on the inside of him when he got to thinking about the benefits. One place the Bible said to forget not all of his benefits. When he began to think about the benefits, something began to turn inside of him. And he left the nine. Where you going? He turned around and the Bible said he went back and he began to holler. 
with a loud voice and he began to give God the glory for what he did. Why are you hollering? I've got a reason to praise him. I've got a reason. And when, and when he began to holler, Jesus just had one question. Where's the rest of y'all at? What about the rest of y'all sitting in the pew? What about the rest of y'all in the back? I see this one hollering and giving me the praise. Didn't I heal all of you? Didn't I touch every one of you? Well, in other words, God expects 100% praise and worship. I said God expects 100%. If he ever did anything for you, God's looking for a praise. God's looking for your worship. God's looking for you to give him glory. God's waiting on you to exalt him. And he didn't ask for nothing else. But when he began to glorify God, there was a second dimension to his miracle. Jesus said, I'm not just going to heal you, but I'm going to go ahead and make you whole. Those other lepers are healed, but they're still missing their arm. They don't have the leprosy anymore, but they're still walking with a limp. They don't have the leprosy anymore, but he's still blind in his eyes. But you, I got a special miracle for the praiser. I've got a special blessing for people who don't forget what I've done. You know, one of the things I love about my wife, she don't play. I'm going to tell you one area she don't play in. Just mark this down, okay? If first lady ever gives you something or does something for you, she don't need accolades. She don't need balloons. You know, all she's looking for is a thank you. And if you don't say thank you, she got this little book in her memory. The book of life. I'm just kidding. And in it are all the names listed of the thank yous and the, the, the missing thank yous. And if you don't say thank you, there's a good chance you might stop the flow. You know? See, that rhymed. I'm a poet and I don't know it. But if you turn around and say, thank you, all of a sudden, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. Say thank you again and watch what happens. Oh, come here. I got something else. I, I forgot. I got something else I wanted to give you. Oh, thank you. Oh, you know what else? Come here. Over here. How, well, how many thank yous you got? There's going to be a whole line of people after church to talk to First Lady tonight. Say thank you. But there is another dimension of the miraculous uh, that God has. You see, we all were lepers, uh, and all of us have experienced uh, the hand of God in our life. Uh, but God said, when I find a people uh, that know how to give me the praise uh, and know how to worship me, uh, and they don't fail uh, to say thank you, uh, I've got another dimension uh, of my blessing. Uh, he was made uh, whole. Uh, I'm telling somebody, uh, when you've got an attitude of worship, uh, you unlock uh, another dimension uh, of the miraculous uh, in your life. I wonder if there's anybody uh, right now that's got something uh, that you're thankful for. Uh, see, being thankful 
is a key to not getting bitter and backsliding. Because it's impossible to be thankful for all God has done and complain about things at the same time. An attitude of thanksgiving uh, will keep the bitterness out of your heart. Uh, an attitude of thanksgiving uh, will keep your mind stayed upon the goodness uh, of the Lord. Uh, oh, I wonder if there's anybody in the building uh, before we leave this place uh, that you got something uh, that you need to give God thanks for tonight. Uh, thank you, Lord, uh, that I'm in your house tonight. Uh, thank you, Lord, uh, that I'm in my right mind. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, I got the activity of my limbs. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me another day. Thank you, Lord, there's food on my table. Thank you, Lord, I got to church today. Thank you, Lord, come on. It's been a long time since some of us took inventory and just got an attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Come on. We ought to take the next few moments and just give God praise. We ought to take the next few moments and thank God for what he's done. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him a praise. When I think about Jesus, what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus, how he saved, set me free, can dance, 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 dance. I can dance, 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 dance. I can dance, 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 dance.